This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. Well, this is Jay Insights uh, on the High Stakes Podcast. I'm David Schifrin, and once again here with our CEO, David Gerard. And we are now in another serious moment as cases continue to ramp up, and there is even more controversy and noise and frustration in so many areas of society and healthcare right now around the pandemic. But at the same time, we're also beginning to look back on those first three or four months. And, and so I think what we've seen, David, is that, you know, two or three, even maybe four months ago, we were talking to our clients and our friends across the industry. And a lot of us were saying, make sure you have somebody writing things down because at some point in the near or distant, maybe and distant future, people are going to come asking questions. Somebody's going to ask what you did, when, fill in the blank. And we're at a point now where those questions are beginning to be asked and it's happened fairly quickly. I mean, it's only Mm -hmm. been, it feels like an eternity, but it's only been four months. Uh, So even as we're still in the middle of this crisis or crisis round two, we're having to look back and start to compile those notes. So talk about what you're seeing in that regard. Yeah, we are seeing media, lawmakers and regulators and others beginning to look at the at the behavior of providers, particularly the behavior of hospitals and health systems over the past 100 days or so as they scramble to, to deal with the pandemic and provide PPE and care for patients and, and care, for their, care for their staff. And organizations are either have the information at the ready because they know exactly what they did, but those are few and far between. Most of the organizations are having to discover what exactly occurred and how it occurred and and why and what were they thinking at the time. And in truth, when we said it at the time, you're exactly right. We talked about this uh, weeks ago, David. It's an easy thing to say from the outsider's uh, perspective because we're not in the necessarily the hallways every single day. We're not in the command centers where the the priority is the work that has to right. happen in the next 60 minutes to care for those patients. And so it's it's completely understandable why while the, while the note taking was a good idea and, and I still argue it's it's a really good idea it may not have been done or done fully in, in all in all cases but it was still only 100 days ago so a lot of that is still there and it's still fresh and it's still uh, catchable and it and it needs to be caught I, I think for a number of reasons I think there is a story there and what has happened in your organization in the last 90, 100 days. And someone's going to tell that story. Your your nurses and doctors are going to tell that story. Your patients are going to tell that story. And we need to have, as an organization, a story to tell as well, a story that sort of defines what we did and how we did it and why we did it yeah. and it's, what it, we learned through it. To reinforce something that you say frequently, someone, and you just said it, someone will tell the story. It's not a matter of whether or not there's going to be information or story. So you might as well be the one guiding it, writing it, at least in some way shaping it. That's right. And it's probably a case where there's some ones, like there's a variety of narratives that are forming and a variety of conversations that are happening about what about and how did that and why did that. And so it's not an effort to to, uh, be the only voice in the conversation, which is an impossible task today, but it's it's to join it and to shape it and when it's appropriate to explain it. And it's okay to say on week one, we were here and week two, we learned this. And so we did this differently 
And by week three, we did these things differently because learning, I think, is part of the process we as organizations and as a country were going through. It's also important to say that now that we know what we know, here's what we're doing now. Now, if there's a second wave, now if there's a resurgence, here's what we've learned to allow us to do things differently, to protect people in a different way or to ensure safety in a different way. And that's based on real time, real knowledge that will only increase um, our credibility if we talk about it and talk about it candidly and fairly transparently. Yeah. So let's take that a little bit further. Uh, we've learned a lot and we are hopefully applying those lessons, good or bad, for the future. What if that story, though, over the last hundred days just really is not flattering? What if you were tripped over your own shoelaces, then what? Well, hopefully if you tripped over your shoelaces, you got back up, you retied your shoes and you're, you're walking again. So it's, you, can, you can absolutely identify the foibles where they, where they exist, but you got to tell the rest of the story. If you identified a problem, here's what we've done uh, to fix that problem so it won't be a problem uh, again, or here's how we're addressing it to the extent that we can, and here's the help that we need to address it further. You used a term as we were prepping this conversation, forensic review, which I thought was interesting because that gets at the the sense of the level of detail that's needed. Um, so yeah. talk about that. <laughs> we're finding that, that the, the, um, the examination that is already coming for some hospitals and health systems is getting pretty darn specific. How did you care for these patients? What did you do for these nurses? Why did you run out of PPE at this time? Or how did you handle something in this way? Why did you handle billing this way or that way? How did you take care of the people who are energetic or poor and couldn't pay their bills and, and it, it, et cetera? And the stories, particularly from media, are individual stories. And you can't, you can't know or tell the story of every single person, and you can't have that at the ready. But it's, but it's right to think that having access to the numbers and the details related to the policies, the flow of patients through the hospital and how they are cared for and your own metrics is key information to have. Because we're, we're finding that, that if you don't have them, others will, will say, well, here, you don't have your numbers, let me, let me tell you what your numbers are. We're finding, once again, what we all know is that hospitals and health systems are a reflection of the community they serve. And so the, the questions that are being asked of hospitals are here in healthcare are often a reflection of the larger cultural issues that we're all dealing with. These are racial issues, these are issues of inequality and care for the poor and care for the needy and funding issues that we need to be able to address. And of course, relevant to us are issues of safety, taking care of our people, taking care of our patients, assuring people that we, we know what we're doing and can assure people to the extent we can of their safety. We need to be equipped with, to, to go to forensics, we need to be equipped with evidence, the numbers, the data that provides us confidence that we know our story and can tell a good one. Yeah. So as you're talking there, David, I was thinking about kind of the, the hindsight's 2020 thing. And you said, if you know the numbers, you know the story, you have the data to back it up. Yeah. So, so what I'm thinking about is this tendency that we have to evaluate past events in light of current context. 
And in, there may be some value in that there. I think there often is. Uh, it can also present a lot of challenges. And so particularly in a moment like this, when things were evolving so quickly and, and, and only thinking about this in the narrow scope of healthcare and decisions being made around COVID-19 and the way care was delivered and then what that means going forward, um, how, how would you advise leaders, first of all, think about that and, and sort of, I think, recognize that there will be people asking questions in light of what we know now? The questions we see being asked are almost necessarily questions that are out of context. Okay. They're, they're questions about a, a specific event or a specific policy or a specific set of numbers or procedures or whatever that are part of a bigger story. And our job is to provide that bigger context, that bigger story. And, and part of that bigger story is, look, here's what we're dealing with for the last 90 days. And it's COVID, and it's a pandemic, and it's global, and it's enormous. At the same time, we were eliminating elective. So we had financial issues. We had clinical issues. That's part of the bigger context we got to be able to provide. we got to paint that larger landscape. But the context does, doesn't end with the, with the journey that we've been on the last 90 days. It, it needs to pull back to the mission we have as an organization. Here's what we were dealing with, and here's, here's the intent that we brought to everything that we did. And we, we, were we fully successful in realizing our intent in every situation? No, we weren't. But we were working like hell to, to accomplish that with good-hearted people working their tail off to get it done with the funding they had and the knowledge that we had and the CDC guidelines that we had. All of this context is critical because sometimes the most exciting stories are those that, that leave out the context that soften it. That make it less less extreme or less of a, a caricature less, less of a stereotype or a caricature right let let's talk about what this means for the individuals doing the work what we're talking about here is looking back at at the last at, at the first wave of this the first part of the crisis and and telling the story around that while also preparing for and now navigating through round two as yes. the headlines are out today, as of the time of this recording, of hospitals reaching capacity again, uh, or for the first time. Um, yeah. So there is a, a need to tell the story of the past in the context of the present while preparing for the present, or while navigating the present and preparing for the future. This feels like a Christopher Nolan movie. Um, <laughs> so, so, but it's true. Like we are, we are in the moment. We, we don't have the luxury of being outside the moment of being objective observers of history, right? This, we're not, we're not doing reportage on World War II. I mean, we're in it. So yeah, but I appreciate where, where you're going how, and how hard it is to, if I, I can preach about context, but even know what is the right contextual information to be collecting, what's going to be important a hundred days from now. Yeah. And who do you task with that? Uh, we always talk about making sure everybody has a seat at the table so everybody can be taking notes. You never know when something's going to be useful, but still there is so much information moving right now that we just don't know. And we just, just don't know, but we can know some things. I mean, we, we, we know there's some numbers, the number of patients and the amount of equipment, the, the success or lack of success of our clinical outcomes, how we build, how we treated 
patients. We we can know we can know those things. The things that our leaders say or don't say, how our leaders act or don't act. And I know, and we're talking words here and words that we use and, and numbers that we can measure, but pictures too, the visuals. Because without them, it's hard to recreate what it was like in that ER or what it was like under that tent when it was hot outside or the the energy at the command center at one o'clock in, in the morning. We're capturing that is our indelible images that will be powerful storytelling tools to help people remember because the the, the policies and the funding issues are going to be decided um, coldly, mm-hmm. if you will, with numbers and spreadsheets. And there's a lot of reasons why that's appropriate. But this is healthcare, and there's heart and soul and people and sweat and sacrifices that are being made. And sometimes you can only capture that with images and video. And I would, I would urge that to be an element of what we're creating here. Yeah, I like that. Being very literal about telling the story. I mean, having mm-hmm. some sort of internal newsroom, essentially, somebody documenting. Yeah. Um, Okay, David, this is, I think this is a, a whole separate or an, an additional conversation, but I do want to touch on it because what we have discussed here is additive. We are suggesting more, more and, and leaders at every level, every person in healthcare, every person inside and surrounding a hospital today is exhausted. And exhaustion leads to frustration. It can lead to compromised decision-making. It can lead to just straight up burnout. We know the numbers. So as we're encouraging healthcare leaders to do more around telling their story and prepare and more, 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 what do we say to acknowledge and help them through the absolute exhaustion as they now face this new mountain, right? We hit the false peak and now we're on the other side and now we're climbing up. 50,000, 60,000 cases a day. This is hard. And it's hard because there are a few places in our culture right now where it's not exhausting. Yeah. I mean, if we, if, we had a, if we had a clinical healthcare crisis, but our nurses and doctors and our staff could leave and go home and there was peace in our politics or peace in our economy, and it, was, it could be a separate thing and was different over here, it would be easier frankly, but there's not a place to escape now that is not sort of the, a gener- is not generating its own kind of stress and anxiety uh, that leads to exhaustion. So um, I'm, I'm not coming with a, with an easy, with an easy answer, but I do think part of the answer is acknowledging it uh, is recognizing that it is exhausting. And I think a lot of healthcare systems, um, and providers are very good at acknowledging the exhaustion of others. We know our nurses are tired and they're heroes. We know our physicians are tired and they're heroes and are, are doing so many of the right things to, to help them to the extent that they, that they can. And other, there are others that can do more. But it's right for leadership to acknowledge that also and where they can to step back and seek the support they can to rejuvenate themselves. We've talked in a variety of these conversations, David, about the role of the board. And I think there's, there's a role of the board here to, to step in even to leadership and be supportive. 
Uh, when I think about the ecosystems that have that uh, exist, particularly in some of the larger house systems, but even some of the smaller ones, the board is sort of removed. I mean, they're they're representatives of the of the community often, and sort of top down leaders of the of the organization if they're doing the role right. And there is a, there is a job here to to be a buttress to leadership. So maybe if there's a there's a message here, David is is a is a call to the board to play that to play that role and to allow your leadership to breathe before we uh, jump into the rest of whatever 2020 has to throw at us. Yeah. All right, David, that seems like a good note to end on. So uh, we'll leave it there with the board. And thanks as always for your time. Thanks, David. Always a pleasure, man.